Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday Recap. This is a weekly podcast where we go back over the sermon from Sunday and we talk about it. That's what we do. This is, yeah. <laughs> Your intros are getting better every time. I think so, too. <laughs> well, hey, welcome. We're so glad that you have joined us for the Sunday Recap. Uh, my name is Chris McLaughlin. To my right over here is... Mitchell Green. Mitchell Green. Hailing from... Franklin Township, Indiana. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and across from me is Ariel Eldridge. Hailing from. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Where are you from? I'm actually from Sullivan, Indiana. Oh. South of Terre Haute. I okay. always say it that way because people oh. seem to know where Terre Haute is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'm not from Indiana. I yes, we're we know. California. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm. Um, I will say this: There's lots of great things to love in California, mm-hmm. but I'm also really glad I don't live there anymore. It's yeah. a little. I mean, traffic you... was crazy, taxes were crazy. It was insane. The more important question is: How long can you float in water without sinking? Really? I've never tested that. <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean? I, I would, is this like the Monty Python thing? Like, if you float, then you're well, a witch? I would ask it more properly, <laughs> but. What is it called when you're like swimming in water, but you're floating? You're like swimming. You're just kicking your legs. You mean treading water? Treading water. Oh, How long can word. you tread water? A, a long time. Long time, people. <laughs> I've seen this man do it for 40 minutes. Really? Wow. Yes. Well, I played water polo and swam when I was in and high school. You have school. to use your hands a lot, uh, right? Yes. For water polo, you're not allowed. Well, yeah. So you have to be able to manipulate the ball while you're... And swim water. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the story goes, one time on a staff retreat, we're sitting in this lake, and I'm sitting there leaning on this little raft as I'm talking to Chris for probably a good 30 minutes at yeah, least. Yeah. Let's, let's At least 30 minutes. And I realize he's been holding on to nothing for 30 <laughs> minutes. He's just been treading water in the middle of the ocean. That's amazing. The ocean, the middle of the lake the whole time. Yeah. It was impressive. Yeah. And uh, side note, I lost my wedding ring in that mm. lake, by the yeah. way. That was That's sad. That's Sad day. Yeah. <laughs> but oh well. Um, we got another one. So, hey, we are in Habakkuk chapter three. Habakkuk um, is, uh, if you're looking for it, it's at the end of the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. Um, what do we know about Habakkuk? Do you guys know, um, just a little bit, I mean, can can we give some background about just Habakkuk and who he is, what he did, where he was from, all that kind of stuff? I think it's important to know that a minor prophet doesn't mean less important than the major prophets. Word. It just means smaller (laughs) amount of recorded words. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Equally important. Yeah. And Habakkuk too. I mean, so he was a a, a prophet at the. Um, this was in the southern kingdom of Judah. So just a little bit of historical context. Um, so after uh, King David, there was King Solomon, who was his son. And after King Solomon, his son Rehoboam became king and made a really terrible decision and caused a civil war. Essentially, that split the kingdom of Israel in two. And so there was another a northern kingdom of Israel in the southern kingdom of Judah. And the northern kingdom of Israel did not last very long. It lasted about 150 years and um, eventually was um, destroyed by the kingdom of Assyria, which was the global superpower in like the 8th century BC. But then later on, the Babylonians became the global superpower, and they ended up coming down and destroying the kingdom of Judah about 200 years after that. So um, 
so Habakkuk, he was a prophet uh, about 20 to 30 years before Babylon came down and destroyed the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, so he is, uh, like when we look at the beginning of the book of Habakkuk, we can see that he um, knew that the Babylon, that God was going to raise up the Babylonians to come down and destroy the southern kingdom of Judah as part of God's judgment. And um, this raises a whole bunch of questions about, you know, God... Um, does he love people? Why is he <laughs> Why is he sending down nations to destroy his people and things like well, that? Well, how do we respond to people whenever they? Um, I guess it's the it's it's the question of a good God that seems seems bad, right? Because mm-hmm. he seems to be sending an enemy to his people, and he seems to be in charge of the the their downfall. And why would he do that? Why would he do that to his people? You'd you'd think he'd want to preserve them all the way through the story. Right. Really, this whole story, the whole beginning of Genesis all the way through to the end has a lot of downfall in it for God's people. Mm-hmm. And I think that continues to today. And I think that's why we, a lot of us are sitting here asking the question, why does it seem like if God is sovereign over all things and he can orchestrate all things, why is he allowing things to go wrong for his people um, why is it hard for our churches to open? Why can't we meet openly right now? You know, any kind of hardship that we're thinking about. Um, and while I don't have all the answers, I just assume that our God knows those answers and that his will is unknown to us. Right. There's a big uh, kind of <laughs> theological topic ar- around this, and, it, and it's this idea that God has, um, you know, part of his will is hidden from us. Um, and and sometimes it's be, it's sometimes it's said that God has two wills, and that's not that's not the truth. Uh, it's sort of a misunderstanding. But but there's a this distinction between what's called God's uh, here's the big fancy word for the day uh, God's decretive will and God's preceptive will. And essentially, the decretive will is like God's secret will or His hidden will, and and that is the will that um, it's like. When we say like Romans eight twenty eight that God's working all things out for for the good of those who love Him, it's like well. What is that? And and we don't know. It's secret, you know. Um, but his preceptive will are the things that he's revealed to us, and 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 is, it's called preceptive because it's based on the idea of God's precepts or his laws and his commands that he's given to us, and that is God's will for our life. Um, just a just a passage that kind of helps us to understand this. I think is uh, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, and I can't turn there fast enough. Because um, your Bible's so big. Yeah, I know. It's, wow. Yeah. It's a big <laughs> so, juicy Bible. Yeah. Uh, so Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, it says, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And that's where this whole idea comes from, that there's, there's certain things that God has, is keeping, uh, hidden from us. And that's very intentional in, in his wisdom. He's doing that. Um, now here's what, what I think is is interesting is that sometimes we want to know, right? Mm-hmm. Like we want to know the secret will of God. We're like, God, I'm going through this terrible circumstance right now, and I don't understand why. And could you just tell me why? Could you just like reveal to me the secret plan, please? <laughs> you know. Um, and then while we do that, what ends up happening is is we end up ignoring the the preceptive will or or the commands of God because because I just want to know what this this uh, decretive will is the secret will is. Mm-hmm.
I mean, really what, what Derek talked about this week is, is, is with these three steps. So, so he walked through this and this was, I mean, what we're talking about here is really at the core of, of what is happening in Habakkuk and what is at the core of what Derek's sermon was about is how do we help people to respond to these sorts of circumstances and not knowing the secret will of God? How do we respond to that in faith? And he gave us three points. He said, uh, one is requesting uh, in faith the promises of God. It's remembering the faithfulness of God and then responding in faith to God. And so um, so I just want to walk through those three things today with you guys. So the first, um, the first is requesting in faith the promises of God. And this is right out of Habakkuk 3, one, verses 1 and 2. Would someone read those, uh, just verses 1 and 2? That'd be awesome. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet according to the Shiganoth. O Lord... What is the Shiganoth? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is that? What is Shiganoth? (laughs) I'll finish reading. Okay. Then we can talk about that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Verse two. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Weird word, Shiganoth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, just really quickly, what 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 is that? It is a song, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Correct? Yeah. 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 It is a song. I feel like we are asking our answers. <laughs> Do you <laughs> feel like you're asking your answers? Mm. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, this is a hard book. Um, in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's difficult. But yeah, I mean, it, essentially what he's doing here is verses 2 through um, probably through 15 – uh, and it may be going all the way through 19, but um, is a is a song. It's written as poetry, mm-hmm. and I think uh, that's that's what it's saying there is that this is the style of poetry or the style of song that is being uh, being sung here. So this whole part is is a is a song. It's kind of cool. What 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 is he trying to convey here in these first in these first two verses? Well, I think there's a shift. So um, the first two chapters seem like an indictment to the Lord, right? So mm-hmm. he's um, he's kind of laying it out for him that he is uh, in question mode, right? And so then when we get to chapter three, he takes these first two verses and he talks about what he has heard of him. And he's kind of asking him for mercy. Um, and then he goes on to have this song of God's splendor and his glory, which is beautiful. So yeah, he is definitely asking for mercy in the midst of this because he knows the Babylonians are going to come in and he knows that they're going to sack Jerusalem and 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 this is all part of the judgment of God. But he says, look, in wrath, God, in your wrath, would you remember mercy? So in this, he's actually going back to the promises that God has made to his people. Help us to know a little bit, what are some of the, I mean, and this is the Old Testament, this is... Um, uh, the, the the Israelites, the people of God, um, what were the promises that were made to them that Habakkuk is referring back to? What what is he counting on mm-hmm. in this passage? I think there's they're numerous. Mm-hmm. So um, a little backstory though. At this point, there's no outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and so God is speaking His words through a prophet, right? Um, and then it's recorded for us for our benefit. Which wow! I think so is you side neat. with JT English on that. I do. Oh man, here we go. Here we go. In case you don't know, we 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 listened to this um, one podcast called uh, Knowing, Faith, Knowing Faith, and it's we out of 
uh, out of Texas, but yeah. uh, they have this discussion all the time. But anyway, they do, yeah, they do, yeah, and yeah. then they get really heated. And <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yes, I'm, probab- I'm probably yes. with I wanna, you on I wanna, that. I wanna, I'm probably I wanna with expound, you on that. But I'm not going to because that'll Mostly take us I'm, on a rabbit trail. I'm like a fanboy for JT. Anyway, so. <laughs> hey JT, we hope you're listening. Okay. What up? All right. Um, <laughs> however, so I, I forgot everything. Why'd you derail? Sorry. <laughs> Oh, so that there wasn't a Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit had been poured out on these people, yeah. right? And so we have Habakkuk, who is speaking um, God's words on God's behalf, and what he's saying are the very words of God. And so he has an intimate relationship with God, where he is able to know God's precepts that he's already spoken, and then know the secret will to an extent of God as well. So he knows that this nation's going to be destroyed, yeah. which is a really cool perspective that we don't have today. Um. Now, he knows that there's also to be a Messiah that was that was prophesied back with David, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and so God has promised that out of this, through these years, that there will be one to deliver the nation of Israel. And so if he knows that they're going to be destroyed, he's probably feeling a little bit torn as to what in the world God is up to. Mm-hmm. Um, if he has promised that he's going to rescue Israel, namely Judah at this point, because we have the two southern tribes of of Benjamin and and Judah and Judah. Yeah. So he's trying to figure out probably in his head what in the world is going to happen if God is going to wreck their people, how is there going to be a messiah that will deliver them as well? Yeah, and and he's and he's drawing from truths that he knows about God. Exactly. Which is what you're saying. Yeah, so, this is built the whole time. Yeah, so he's declaring from, you know, okay, he's calling out to God as his lord. And I think about Exodus 34, you know, which is 34 verse 6, which is the most quoted verse in the entire Bible, I believe, no by way. the Bible, right? Really? Yeah. Oh, by where, the Bible. Okay. Yeah, by the Bible itself. Interesting. So this is this is where God declares himself um, to Moses, saying who he is. Okay. You know, so he's drawing, he's introducing his character to them. And so he says, uh, and God passes in front of Moses, this is Exodus 34 verse 6, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to the thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Mm -hmm. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation. So we have this passage here where God's declaring who he is. And so when I read Habakkuk's words, I see him drawing from the truths that he knows about God that have been given to him. So So he's reconciling the situation that he sees before him with the truths that he knows about who God Mm -hmm. is. Absolutely. So he's calling out to him as Lord. He's saying, "I see what's happening, but God, I also know that you're merciful. Yeah, you know that I know that I know that you're a merciful God. You've declared that, you know, to our people." And so he's he's asking, "Okay, what does God's mercy look like in the midst of this situation that doesn't make sense?" Yeah, and this yeah. is so cool to me because they would have had Jonah at this point. I'm assuming. I mean, there's a little bit of discrepancy. On he was before when this before was this. when it was written, mm-hmm. but that was about God's mercy for the Northern Kingdom, right? And so um, if he knows for sure the Messiah is going to come from the tribe of Judah, wouldn't he trust God even more to make this happen? Mm. Yet he's struggling with the flesh as well yeah. of trying to figure out how God's going to yeah. do it. So Seeking out for that secret yes, will. Yes, yes, like, he wants I to I want to know the he secret will. Yeah. Um, so let's bring that to us today. I mean, because we're, again, I mean, obviously coronavirus, stuff like that, there is suffering. There is there's stuff that is happening in the world. But even apart from coronavirus stuff, I mean, 
just dealing with, like we were talking about earlier, dealing with the problem of, of evil in the world and things that are going on in this world and in our own lives. Um, how does resting in the promises of God and, and, and praying back the promises of God, how does that actually help us? Um, what does it do for us to do that? I, lo- I love the way that Derek said it. And I wrote down in my notes, he said, God is at work in our hearts um, that he is good no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so I think we see this process in our prayers that even as we begin to approach God, that first our prayers may be focused on rescuing us from our situation. Mm-hmm. But as we reflect on God's words, the truth about who he is, um, what we know to be true about God, we see almost this shift in our prayer. We yeah. see God changing our hearts to look more like his, to rest in his promises. And so it's like our prayers in themselves even change. Yeah. You know, so like, and that's what we see here in this passage is that as Habakkuk is crying out to God in the beginning, we see a change in his tune as he's going before God in prayer. You know what I think this does for us is, um, like you were saying, the passage in Exodus that is the most quoted in the Bible. For, the first thing I thought was, why is that the not, not the most quoted verse for us? You know, mm. I was like, oh, that sounds obscure. I don't even know which one you're talking about. But when you started saying it, I knew exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Because as I was talking about Jonah, the Northern yeah. Kingdom quoted the same exact yeah. truth about God. Because well, they want God to see, they want to see God. Yes. So they want to see him, but God instead, he speaks who he is. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and, he, and he's saying his character. And, it, and it's like the repetition, the intimacy of God saying like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Repeat, this is who I am. He's letting them into the deepest parts of who he is and his character. So yeah. you have somebody like Habakkuk, that they're, they're drawing from this in their situation. They're drawing from God's character, but they're looking at the reality and saying, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to be merciful in the midst of this, yeah. but this is who you are. This is who you declared you were. So eventually I'm going to trust that. Yeah. Which, which pro- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that I think that we sometimes starve ourselves on a history of what God has done. We think of what we can see and what we have seen in our lives and maybe a generation removed. Um, but if we don't really dig into what God has done throughout all of redemptive history from the very beginning of this book that we have in front of us, we're really starving ourselves of the history of what he has done. And so like you were saying, just having this on repeat that the Lord is steadfast and he is... Um, he's gracious. He is slow to anger. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things need to be ingrained in us so that when we're going through something, we know that that's the immediate recall. Um, and that's the spirit. As Derek said, it's having perspective on God's promises yes. in the situation that we're yeah. in. And I think, I think again, we've talked about this, you know, over the last several weeks because this, this is the circumstance we find ourselves in. But I speak to people that are outside of the faith, and they don't have perspective. Um, they don't have perspective. Their worldview doesn't allow mm-hmm. for this understanding of, you know, that God can be at work in something that's greater than the circumstance we find ourselves in. Their worldview is that everything is just collapsing around them, and how do we, you know, control it the best that we can to get the best outcome possible, mm-hmm. where we can have a perspective that's resting not in the circumstance, not in COVID-19, but is resting in that God is in control mm-hmm. because we know yeah. that he's merciful because he's declared himself as so. Yeah. In turn, that creates a greater compassion for people who don't have that worldview, mm-hmm. right? I just watch them in the, the panic, like we've talked about a couple weeks ago. It's just you understand why they are running in circles or feel broken or why it's easy for us to do the same because we take our side off of what our perspective yeah. should be. And so practically, I think, I think when you think about your prayers, it looks something like this. It, it goes from approaching God 
you know, and saying, God, save me, save me, save me, save me from the circumstance. Save me from what I'm dealing with. Save me, save me, help me, fix it, God. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got this problem, fix it. it. To turning to saying, God, you've saved me. You've protected me. God, you've declared yourself to be merciful. You've declared your word to be true. Yeah. Your promises are going to come to hold. Okay, God, I don't know what you're up to right now. Mm-hmm. But God, I'm trusting in you in faith. And so that's what it looks like to request in faith the promises of God. Yeah. It's this shift. And and I think what's okay to say is that our prayers change in that way over time. You know, the way you were praying five weeks ago may have been like, all right, what's 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 in this thing? Let's fix it. Let's get it over with. And then we see sometimes, I mean, we can we're there, at best it's a guess at what is God up to. Mm-hmm. But then we can see at times, okay, God's growing me in this way. I'm learning this. Okay, God, thank you for this gift in the midst of this trial, but then even the bigger picture is just reminding ourselves of God's promise, of God's faithfulness, regardless of what we find ourselves in. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what Habakkuk does, because the very next thing that he does is he goes through this recounting of all mm-hmm. of the things that God has done. And uh, so verses 3 through 15, um, that's what he does. It's And this is what Derek gets to. He says the second thing is remembering the faithfulness of God. And so um, in this section, we, we won't read through this whole thing, but... Um, I, I think, though, reading through it, um, this is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, just seeing everything that God has done and, and how the Lord is working yep. in Habakkuk's heart through the, through the in the midst of all this. Um, but we see things in there about God, uh, God being the creator. We see the exodus. We see the law, the giving of the law. We see the promised land and the entrance into the promised land. We see the promise of the of the Davidic king and then and David coming and being king. Uh, we see deliverance. Um, uh, that there's this promise of deliverance from exile. I think uh, one of the other things that that he's really resting on here too is this promise that God gives of a remnant. And this is a, I think, a really important concept in the Old Testament is this idea that even when God's people get uh, disciplined through you know a nation coming down and destroying them and things like that, that God always leaves a remnant. There's always always a remnant, and that remnant is is are the ones that. God is preserving in order to keep his promises and in order to keep his promise to, to the to the people. And so you see that just over and over again in the Old Testament. And Habakkuk is knowing all this, knows all this history, and he's bringing that into the forefront now as a way to uh, really uh, uh, to bolster faith uh, in him. Just remember, God is not going to let his promises fail over and over again. Look at all that he's done. So for us, I mean, let's just get really practical with this. Um, you know, people are going through difficult times. People are are struggling, um, losing jobs, all that sort of stuff. People are getting sick. So like, what are some of the promises and some of the deeds that God has done that would be really helpful for people to remember in the midst of their struggles and their suffering that they may be going through right now? Take it away, Bible lady. <laughs> yeah, I you know, well, I don't know if this is helpful. Hopefully it is, but I started thinking about Haggai. That was a study that we did last summer and that's after the Babylonians ransack mm-hmm. Judah mm-hmm. and carry off their people and they live in Babylon for a time and then you have Daniel and all that good stuff. And then they come back and they have to rebuild from the rubble and they're all really um let down. Because they're still asking the question, God, how are you going to make this happen? You know, how are you going to restore us? And so they build another temple, and it doesn't look as glorious as the first one. And I had a friend reach out this week, and she's like, she was in that study, and she texted me, and she said, hey, 
as we head back in to church this Sunday, I have a feeling people are going to feel like those Israelites yeah. that came back and were That's like, really good. this temple doesn't <laughs> look as glorious as the last time I saw it. Yeah. And, um, and I think that we just need to keep our mindset on what God has done. If he's, if he's faithful here, he's going to be faithful again. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is glorious. And so uh, we just keep our sights on that. But just these little tiny books of the Bible that we overlook, like Habakkuk. I had no idea that Derek was going here this week, and I don't, I'm not as familiar with Habakkuk. But after reading this and like reading Haggai and reading all of these ways that God has done this in history, um, it's so crazy that we are living in, in, in very similar situations where we just continue to ask, how are you going to make this happen, Lord? You've promised but how are you gonna? How are you gonna preserve us? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, in a more of a broader approach, I think it's just looking back, as you said, you know, to the promises of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So it's so what are you what are you reminding yourself of mm-hmm. in the midst of what you're going to? So yeah. are we looking back at what God's done? You know, all these stories throughout the Old Testament, these New Testament stories of deliverance. You know, it's looking at that, and then it's looking forward to the promises that God's given to us. Mm-hmm. Are those what you're reflecting your time on? Yeah. You know, how are you? I mean, this is a really, really bad illustration, but you know, for the so ta- I'm going to use. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to so use it anyway. Coming. Here yeah. So, so the past ten weeks, you know, the last dance has been going on with Michael Jordan. Oh yeah. You know, I, and I and I'm someone who did not. I mean, I remember watching the '98 season as an eight year old. But that's it. I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything before that. And it's like we are being reminded of Michael Jordan's greatness as a basketball player, and it's what we're reflecting upon. So now you look at the present circumstance of all the people in the NBA and things, and you're comparing them back to Michael Jordan because you're being reminded of it, especially if you never experienced it. Mm-hmm. Now we're in these present circumstances in our world. Okay, we're at relevance. Now. Here we go. We're in this present circumstance in our world, and if we're not drawing back you know, throughout history to looking at other circumstances of God's deliverance um, through situations and things, we're not looking forward to the promises that God's given to us, mm-hmm. then we're just forced to address the reality that we face ourselves in. Yeah. So, you know, with the NBA standard, it's like that's why every 12-year-old is going to say that LeBron James is the best basketball player ever because he's not addressing what's happened in the past. Now yeah. we know where, you know? where Mitch stands on who's <laughs> yeah. the best. So he's not he, – but he doesn't, he doesn't have that available yeah. to him. Now we have scripture available to, to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a breadth of God's stories of deliverance, of God protecting his people, of God showing his mercy, of God showing his deliverance of the Messiah. Time and time again that we can draw from so we can look at our, you know, present reality and we can look to our future promises and say God will be faithful. Yeah. Because he's been faithful. Right. He always has been. And and, and, and this we, is the thing that we're talking about like why are we always looking for that secret will? We're like, God, tell us what's going on versus the revealed will. And the revealed will is right here in God's word mm-hmm. for us. Like like going back to scripture, I, th- I, I can't think of a, of a better case for reading the Bible. Like going yes. back into reading scripture is that knowing what God has done in the past is going to help you right now in the present circumstances that you, yeah. that you live in. And I think I shared this at a podcast um, – a while back, but I, I remember being at a funeral after there was a tragedy in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a family that a mom and her two sons were hit by a semi truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at the funeral, and it was preached by Charles Lake, who was a senior pastor of a larger church in the area for a long time. And uh, Charles, as he opened the funeral, he said, You know, we want to ask the question of why. That's just our natural bend. Say, Why'd this happen, God? But the question we need to be asking is who? 
Who is in control of the circumstance that we find ourselves in? And I think that's the shift in the reflection that we have to have in this season mm-hmm. is not, we, we can't know why. The why is above us, mm-hmm. but we do know the who yeah, because it's been declared for us. And so we are trusting in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's where we really get to that last point that Derek was bringing up, that this is where Habakkuk responds to God in faith. Um, and so, you know, again, God is promising all this calamity, this trouble, this all this stuff that's going to happen, and and Habakkuk responds with, okay, but I'm, I'm going to trust you in the middle of this. Let's just read um, verse 16. This is Habakkuk 3, verses 16 through 19. Would um, Ariel, would you, would you yeah, read that Yeah, I one? can do that. Okay, verse 16 says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. And then he ends it with the song. To the the choir master. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love the way that this ends because this is such a a declaration of faith in the midst of all of these terrible circumstances. So, and he lists off a whole bunch of them about, you know, their, their crops and, all these things like this, their, their yeah. nation is falling apart. Um, and, he, and he's like, and yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And he can do that because his perspective has been enlarged. His, mm-hmm. his perspective on this has been, he's been given this like huge godly perspective and he's trusting God with all those little details. You know what? Yep. Derek made a really cool observation that he uses the word and in all of these things that come to pass. He's not even saying if, you know, or though one of these things happens, he's saying all of these things and, mm-hmm. you know, and then I will, I will trust that God, the Lord is my strength. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I think that speaks a lot toward the character of our character of our God, who is, um, he's transcendent, you know, just all of these things that we could use to, to characterize his, um, his workings with his people in scripture. Um, we know that he is from beginning to end. We know that he is immutable. He can't be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's all powerful. Um, he's sovereign. That's a God to be trusted. Yeah. Yeah. And that he's promised that he's going to be the one that actually fights these battles for us. Like he's the one mm-hmm. that is going to take care of us. And that's reflected at, right at the end of verse 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what he says here. He's like, I will, I will. Uh, quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. So he's mm-hmm. like, he's like, look, I know that God, he loves his people and he's going to preserve that remnant. And that means that when these people come down, like when the Babylonians come down and attack us, that God is not going to stand for that, mm-hmm. even though he's also sovereignly directing it, which is another thing to deal with, but uh, podcast too. <laughs> yeah, but what is fascinating about this is is he knows it's like God is not going to allow this injustice to stand, and mm-hmm. and I know that God is just, and so there's going to be this day of trouble that's going to come upon these people mm-hmm. because they are coming in against God's people. Um, 
And that's the that's the character of God. In the same way, I mean, we can we can say the same thing about us today. And it's yeah. it's like, you know, anything like uh the attacks of the enemy, uh people that that come against us as as believers, persecution, um, things like that, all of that will not stand because God does protect and provide for his people, and he will certainly fight and defend us mm-hmm. uh, in yeah. the end. So we can trust that. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, in a way, it's like the, the question is that we're at, that people are asking is, you know, how do I respond in faith to God? Yeah. You know, if people are feeling like they lack faith, they're struggling. This is giving them questions around their faith because they're looking at the circumstance we find ourselves in and saying, "How can God be true?" Well, you just need to work Derek's points backwards. You know, you need to just say, okay, I need, how do I remember the faithfulness of God? It's like, well, look to his word. Mm-hmm. You know, spend some time in his word and spend some time away from the things, you know, that yeah. you're worried about. Turn off, <laughs> turn off the news. Yeah, turn off the news <laughs> for a bit. Spend some time in God's word. Um, spend, your t- spend some time reflecting on the things of God's faithfulness in your life. Yeah. And then it's go before God and request faith. For his promises, yeah, you know, and so I don't know. I mean, I do talk to a lot of people that that's kind of where we're at. We're just struggling to understand what's going on around us, but we're also trying to get answers to things that are above us. Yeah, I want to go back to what you just said about requesting faith because, uh, re- like what Derek was saying was re- requesting the promises of God. Mm-hmm. But we're trusting that, but I think we can also pray and ask for yes faith mm-hmm. specifically. Um, over and over again in Scripture, we see, uh, in particular, like in Romans, uh, in Galatians, we see, and in Ephesians, we see that faith is something that God gives to His people in measure. Like there's different measures of faith, and so it's a gift. Faith is a gift from God, and we can ask the Lord for that. So, listen, you know, if you're out there listening today and you're like, I don't know that I have this kind of faith like Habakkuk has, then pray for it. Ask ask the Lord for it because I don't th- I don't see the Lord turning a prayer request like that down. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. I wrote I wrote about this in this in in one of our blogs on our website, but I love this prayer from Psalm 131. And it says, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. Uh, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not apo- I do sorry, I do not occupy myself with things that are too great or too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child from its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord for this time and forevermore. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this, there's, this, there's this problem that we have that we find ourselves occupying, as the text says, with things that are far too great and far too marvelous for us. Like we're trying to figure out things that we can't figure out. Mm-hmm. And so we need to quiet our soul and just reflect on the fact that God is the Lord of the storm. Yeah. that God is in control and rest before him in that. Yeah. And that's where we find peace. You know, I'm thinking of, um, you know, someone who's going through like a really, really crushing time right now, or they're just feeling the pain of loss. And um, and I think that we need to just keep our, our thoughts fixed on the fact that God will make all things new, mm-hmm. um, that he may not change our circumstances here and now, but he will make all things new and he will wipe every tear um, and he will restore things even better than they were before. Um, and that's our hope. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are the promises to cling to. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And that and that the Lord is coming back for us, you know? Yeah. Um, he didn't leave us alone here. He's given us his spirit, but he also promised that he's going to return and bring us to that place, that he's preparing a house for us. He's preparing a place for us. And 
man, the the perspective I think that just reflecting on that brings is yeah. is just huge. And it's an action step for everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you're someone that you're not, you know, you're not fearful, you're not struggling right now, it's like, okay, well, like approach the promises of God, understand his word, because you're going to get there one day. Yeah. <laughs> like we're all going to be in the pit yeah. at some time. And if you're in the pit, it's like, look for the promises of God, yeah. Yeah. cling to his word. Yeah, absolutely. What a beautiful passage of scripture this is. Um, I'm just, I'm thankful that Derek chose it for this week. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And, and we hope that this was a benefit to you to walk through this passage of scripture uh, with us today. Um, and listen, you know, as your staff members here at church, we want to be um, a support to you and walk alongside you in whatever it is that you're going through. And so um, if there's a way that we can support you, we want to invite you to reach out to us. Uh, just go to stonescrossing.com. Uh, that's our, our website. You can go on there and you can find all of our contact information or fill out the prayer request form that's on there. Um, we would love to pray for you, uh, talk with you, and uh, and help out however we can. So um, thanks for listening, you guys. And we uh, look forward to our next discussion next week. We're going to get into a new series next week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, since we're going to be meeting back at, at church. Uh, what's going on next week? Friend request. Friend request. Is that what I believe Whoa, it is called? Okay. Cool. Oh, yeah. What is it about? What's what's the what's the idea? Relationships. Uh-oh. That was happy and I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it'll be good. And we'll have a lot to talk through here, I'm sure, uh, on the recap next week. So we hope you join us then. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you then.